0: cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Episode number 35, the prolific writer podcast. I'm joined by Michael Laron. Let's get after it. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. This is your prolific writer podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton. I am so glad that you are here. However you found us, if you're in the car, if you're on the train, if you're on the treadmill, if you're doing the commute thing, if you're writing a story or a book, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. You should be focusing on the words. But however you found us, I am so glad that you're here. The podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, write often and write Well, and today we have a wonderful guest, Michael LaRon, that is going to share the goods with us. A prolific writer who's written over 30 fantasy science fiction books and has lived to tell about it. And literally because he has a wonderful story about a near-death experience that catapulted his writing Career And so I'm so excited to share this interview with you. But before we get to that, just a couple things I'm really, really excited about. Uh, first is we finally were able to redesign our website. Now that may not seem like a big deal, but it's a big deal to me. I, I felt like our website needed a little facelift. And so had a crack team of developers uh, redesign that site because I want to make it a world class site, a place not just to host this ferocious podcast, but also a place to share great content, great resources to help you write fast often and well. And so to kick off the website launch, I would love for you to do something for me and I'll put this in the show notes, but if you go to the prolific net slash free, so the prolific net slash free, you'll be taken to a page where I created a five-day writing hack email course, mini crash course. And so what you'll get every day is a little email from me and some writing tips, writing hacks for especially getting unstuck. And, and these are some little tips, tricks that I've used and others have used to to kind of get unstuck when we, we have that writing project where we're not sure – how to get it done. We're not sure where to start. And, and these may seem a little unconventional, but they're actually things that really work. They're actionable. They're practical short little emails, five days. So go to the slash free, check out the five day mini course. I'd love for you to, to check that out. Also just look around, uh, check out other episodes, blog posts, what's going on. We're going to keep producing great content, and get that out to you. And so hopefully that website is, is just a helpful resource, not just a, a, storefront if you will. Uh, but a lot of great stuff going on there. So, so thank you for checking that out. Um, also just want to say, Hey, thank you everyone for all the, the kind words and kind reviews. Um, we've just been blown away by the response of this show and just the people that continue to come on the show, which really makes the show great. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm just really excited about that and thankful for that. And and so thank you for listening. Tell your friends, uh, share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, share it on Twitter, wherever you, you want to uh, share the show. Also, we do have a Facebook and Twitter, uh, feed. And so check that out. Uh, uh, writer prolific uh, on both of those. So you can check those out as well if you want to share those with your loved ones, whoever those loved ones would be. So today we have Michael LaRon on the show, and I couldn't be any more excited. He is a, a humble, uh, nice guy and a friend. And I'm really looking forward to getting this interview out to you because there's a lot of content, a lot of practical, actionable advice. You're going to learn a ton. You're going to be inspired. He has a powerful, powerful story of becoming a prolific writer, and I hope you enjoy it it as much as I enjoyed uh, doing the interview. So here is Michael Laurent. Welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast, your host Ryan Pelton, and today I am privileged to have Michael LaRon, and did I say that right, Michael?
1: Yes, you said it correctly.
0: All right. Well, Michael and I are part of the same couple of different writing groups and have interacted with each other and ran into each other, and someone told me, hey, you need to have Michael on the show, and I'm really glad I did, because as I kind of snooped around, not in a creepy way, uh, I realized that you do a lot of stuff. You write a lot of books and podcasts and YouTube and all kinds of stuff, so I'm looking forward to chatting with you a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here, so...
0: So let's talk a little bit, just what what are you up to? Because uh, I, I had noticed on your website, you know, you're doing podcasts, you're doing YouTube, you're doing all kinds of stuff. So tell us a little about yourself.
1: Sure. Well, I, again, Michael Laron. I started my writing career in 2014. Um, I became a writer, though, in 2012 after having a near-death experience. So my wife and I went out to a nice dinner at a fancy restaurant and Lo and behold, the next day I fell ill with what I thought was food poisoning, and I ended up in the hospital for a month. And um, before the up until that point, I had been a sometime writer. I I wanted to write novels and things like that, but I just wasn't very good at it and didn't have the commitment. And being on a hospital bed for a month really makes you rethink your priorities. Yeah. And um, I swore on that hospital bed that this is what I wanted to do with my life, and I made a commitment to be a writer, and it took me a long time to write that first book, but I published my first book in 2014. So I am the author of over 30 science fiction and fantasy books, and I've also written some nonfiction and poetry collections um, under different pen names. Um, But primarily, I'm an author, but I'm also a podcaster for the Alliance of Independent Authors. It's something I just started doing. I podcast with J.R. Talley, and we talk about tips for writers and um, the beginner self-publishing salon. And on top of that, I just I like to help other authors and like to pay back uh, pay, pay back what I've learned because I've had some great mentors in my career.
0: Well, that's great, Michael. Um, there's there's so much there to unpack. Now you kind of ruined my my segue because <laughs> I wanted to talk about your near death experience. So thanks for ruining that. But um, uh, no, it's okay. We can go back to it if you want. No, no. Actually, it's it's a great segue because uh, I I want to I want you to talk a little bit about obviously you know, you almost died, which is horrible. And, and it's amazing how much tragedy and I've had a lot of authors on the show and I've gone through some really hard things. And I think we've all gone through hard things if you live long enough and, um, how that can drive us to the, to the page and to, to books and to just wanting to kind of express ourselves through, through books and stories and things. Um, so obviously before that, you were writing, so so tell us a little bit about your journey up to that point because you hadn't really written a whole lot or published your first book, but you obviously were writing. Because why would you want to be a writer if you almost died? Unless that was just some kind of weird, you know, writing angel showed up in your room. Uh, so tell us a little bit about about kind of the what led up to that.
1: Well, I, I've been a crazy bookworm ever since I was a kid. I was the kind of kid that used to ask for dictionaries for my birthday <laughs> when I was growing up. So well, one of those. You, I was one of those kids, <laughs> yeah, asking for dictionaries and things like that. And so I actually got my start creatively, funny enough, through music. So I grew up playing the saxophone and the piano and the guitar and um, came up studying jazz and um, improv and all those sorts of things and marching band. And um, for me, when I was in high school, I really wanted to be a composer. And I wanted to be a video game music composer because I... I love video game music. I'm a video game music connoisseur. And I just thought that would be the the greatest career ever, right, to be a cool video game music composer. And lo and behold, I got into college and kind of did the music thing for a little bit. And I started to kind of find out it wasn't for me. And it was a tough career choice. But, um, I started picking up writing around that point and I'd always written short stories and poems and things like that, but I started off writing poetry because that was kind of a nice segue from music into poetry. And I swore I would never write a novel, looked way too complex, just didn't want to do it. (laughs) And then, you know, a friend encouraged me into writing a short story and I had a lot of fun doing it. And I said, I'll never write a novel. There's no way. And then lo and behold, I ended up writing a novel and then now I can't stop.
0: Well, that's great. It's an interesting, um, thread or conversation because I think I hear this time and time again it's those that that read a lot and kind of absorb story it's they they begin to realize that um, not that it's easy to write a novel but uh those stories just begin to kind of come out of you because you've probably You know, been reading stories, telling stories your whole life, and then when it's time to do it, you realize, wow, I actually can do it. I mean, it doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean it's you know the next great thing. But, um, but you know, you have had absorbed a lot of stories over your life, and you actually talk about a little bit of that on your website and kind of your influences and things. So, so tell us a little bit about that. You know, you write a lot of science fiction, you write fantasy. um, You're very open about the fact that you're a, a genre hopper, which is great. So, so talk us a little bit about that. What were some of the influences when you were a kid? and growing up as you got older?
1: I I have a very eclectic um, writing, reading background. So for me, I was one of those people that the librarians knew me by name, and I could wander into a library, twirl around in one of the stacks, and then just hold my finger out, and I would read whatever I hit. So if it was romance, I would read that. If it was science fiction, I would read that. And so I guess I didn't really come up in the mainstream of a lot of stuff that was coming out when I was growing up, but I would say I had a lot of different influences. Um, Ender's Game was a really important book for me that I read very early on in um, my reading journey. I just love that story. I, I just love the way it's written. Um, Treasure Island is probably one of my favorite novels of all time. It's, I read it once a year. Um, I just, I, Even though it was written long long time ago it's just there's something about those characters that just always stuck with me and i always find myself um, going back to that for inspiration um, more modern authors from a science fiction thriller standpoint michael crichton um, pretty much everything he's written has just captivated me just the way he writes is just fantastic and i if i could ever be half the writer he was <laughs> one day that just would be fantastic so Jurassic Park was another novel that just just that wonder and captivation of imagination of dinosaurs, if they existed. The what if, right? I'm always drawn to big what if um, topics and questions, and those are the kind of things
0: that I write about in my own work. So let's let's go back to that. So you're you know, you almost died 2012, um, before this, obviously you've, you've read a lot, you're always a reader, you know, all over the place, all different genres, but let's talk a little bit about your, your kind of home life, your family life, your, um, other than music, I mean, were there, were there other creative things that were kind of going on? Um, I I guess my question is, I'm, I'm just very fascinated when you almost died, uh, we'll go back to that, um. You know, why was it writing that was the thing that you said I have to do this? It, it wasn't music, it wasn't anything else. Like, what in your kind of in your you know, not to get too deep, but in your heart and your soul, sure. soul, you know, what was it? Like, I have to do this. Like, it you know, it wasn't hey, I'm gonna go be a construction worker. I'm gonna go start a company. I'm gonna. <laughs> um, but what what was it about writing that kind of had you um, when you're laying in that hospital bed?
1: Well, right around this time, it had been a couple of years. I'd, I'd written my last song. I'd written a lot of different songs, and I just kind of decided that music wasn't for me, and I had dabbled in the writing. It was something I enjoyed, um, and it's something that I wished that I had done more of, and so that was kind of what was top of mind, but right around that time was also when I started listening to The Creative Pin by the lovely Joanna Pin, and listening to that really made me realize, wow, this is actually really cool. I could Totally see myself writing a novel. Um, I was working in insurance. I still am in insurance. Part, you know, if I'm a part-time author. That's one thing that a lot of people probably know about me. And the job I was in at that time, it, you know, it just, it sucked. You know, and <laughs> for lack of a better word, and I just, I didn't, I didn't want to see myself in that job for forever. Um, and so, the creative outlet was something that. Just was very top of mind, and I should add also that I was on very, some very strong painkillers in the hospital, and I was seeing very weird hallucinations, <laughs> and so I thought, "Wow, these would be some really cool novels if I kind of wrote this." And so, one of the series I wrote, I like to brag, Eaton is a series I've written. I like to brag, I was on drugs when I came up with that idea. <laughs> oh,
0: that's great. That's <laughs> yeah, great. so
1: that's 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 where it came from for me. It was just it was top of mind at the time, and. I could see myself expressing myself as as an author.
0: So, 2012 was the almost near-death experience, and then you said 2014 was your first first book. Now, you've written 30 books or so since then. Yes. When, when did you kind of realize, you know, for you, it obviously was like, I'm all in. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this happen. When did you realize, you know, I wasn't just going to write one book or two books. You know, I'm going to write 30 books. I mean, that, that's that's a little insane. So t- talk us through that a little bit.
1: Well, the authors I've always admired, and this is just something that I've always respected and appreciated growing up were those authors that had diverse portfolios. So I talk about Treasure Island and Robert Louis Stevenson. If you look at all the different stuff that he wrote, it's really incredible. Um, Treasure Island was just one of the many, many novels he wrote. And I just I love and respect an abundant imagination. And so I've always wanted to be that kind of person. And so I am a very um, abundant personality. So when I wrote music, I wrote over 100 songs right i I just had i'm just in that prolific kind of personality so for me i never just wanted to write one book i could never marry myself to to one series i wanted from the very beginning had a vision of a portfolio right of totally different series just different jumping on points that readers could jump into but the unifying factor and characteristic was my storytelling personality and my the things that inspired me growing up um so the readers can pick up a Michael Laron book and know, okay, this is going to be a different series, right? This is a different world, different characters, but I'm still going to get the funny, I'm still going to get the um, great characters, I'm still going to get the great story, and that's that's the brand rather than a series or a character, and that's always been my vision from from day one.
0: That's great. So a- as you kind of um, you know began to... Well, let, let's talk – this is what, kind of where I want to go. So let's talk about that first book, uh, that first novel. What what was kind of the, the, the process of getting that first one done? What did that look like? You know, Did you have an idea? Did you do NaNoWriMo? Like what, what was it to kind of get that first long book done, and what was that experience like?
1: That first book – okay, so my first book is called Magic Souls. Um, it was formerly known as How to Be Bad, but it, I've rebranded it as Magic Souls, and – Funny thing about that book (laughs) – okay, so I have – people that know me know that I think big and I dream big. So my very first book was – I'd never written a novel before, right? But I decided to do a choose-your-own-adventure for adults. Nice. And I I wanted to do it differently. So I wanted to do it in a way that was familiar to the people that that read Choose-Your-Own-Adventures growing up, but that was also different and embraced the e-reading technology. Because a lot of the stuff that was out there currently, was it was kind of just a port. Like they ported the print version into the ebook, and it just didn't look very well. So um, that was my very first novel. So basically, I ended up writing like six novels in one. <laughs> so it was a kind of a master class in, in learning how to write and craft different stories within the same world. Um, it's about a, 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 an attorney that accidentally makes a deal with a demon and has to, to procure the souls of three innocent people in order to um, break the deal. So I call it an ethical train wreck on every page because it's, it's this story about her and her – does she procure these people's souls or does she not? How, can she find a way out of it? And so every page, you just never know what she's going to do or decide. And so that first novel took me a long time to, to figure it out and make it make it work with e-readers and all of that. And when I got to the end of that first novel, I thought, this was awesome. I loved it, but it took me way too long. Hmm. You know, I agonized in the editing. How many drafts probably do you spend on that first novel? (laughs) I didn't want to do that again. And so I thought, okay, how can I do this again? How can I do something different? But how can I take that production time and cut it by third, cut it by quarter? And so that's been my motto with every novel is figure out how to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. And then what what was kind of the next uh, novel after that? After you did the Choose Your Own Adventure, you said, okay, that was difficult. What was kind of the next book or series after that?
1: The next series after that was um, Festival of Shadows, which was another choose-your-own-adventure for adults. I call them decision-select novels. That's my brand. But that's about a teddy bear who has to rescue his owner from the boogeyman. Okay. Um, or if, while facing self doubt along the way, so I kind of brand it as uh, Davey, David Bowie's Labyrinth meets Toy Story meets Choose Your Own Adventures. Nice. So, it takes place in the world of toys, and it's like a nightmare world, and that was a lot of fun. And same format, same premise that you are this the you're the teddy or the the reader is following the teddy bear, but Theo is the name of the character. But you're making decisions for him. So how does he navigate this world? And he can actually fail and not rescue his owner, right? So. Um, I wrote that novel in about half the time. So that was the next series.
0: So what was the, the learning, uh, part as far as production and craft between that first book and the second book, do you remember kind of what was, what, what allowed you to kind of do it at more efficiently? Um, you know, and then from there on out, what, what are you kind of learning along the way?
1: Well, a lot of it, to be honest with you, the writing was fairly smooth from what I remember. I, I did hire more editors than I've ever hired in my life just because I you know, wasn't sure about my writing skill and all that. I had a developmental editor and then I had a copy editor and then I had another copy editor. That was really the reason it took so long. Um, but the, the, the learning curve also was just the technology, learning how to format ebooks, and particularly learning how to format an interactive ebook. Um, I, I got really good at it really quickly. <laughs> so when I transitioned away from the, the, the Choose Your own Adventure stuff into r- traditional novels, I just felt like I was able to soar through them because it was just so much faster.
0: That's great. So how, how long uh, about are those books, those first ones?
1: The first ones, I, the way I describe them is if you it, – it, they're, they're about 40,000 to 50,000 words per read-through. So, okay. from the the time that you open the cover to the time that you finish, depending on the decisions you make, you're, each reader is going to get about the consistently same length experience.
0: Okay. So, you're um obviously open about the fact that you're uh, multi genre genre hopper uh, genre agnostic, if you will. And uh, how do you, as a as a genre hopper, um Determine kind of what the next uh, project is. Um, what, what's kind of the, the thought process, the creative process on, on determining kind of the next book?
1: So I have two rules on that. The first rule for me is the rule that I made when I was in the hospital bed, um, which was be true to yourself, right? You, nothing I do that I ever g- am going to write is going to be something that it just feels like a job to me. That if I wanted to do that, I'll just wake up and go work you know, at a corporation. That's not what I want to do with my creative career. So that's my first rule. Be true to myself and understand that I'm constantly a work in progress and I'm always evolving. So just giving myself that flexibility and latitude to feel comfortable in taking risks. That's the first rule that I have. The second rule is that I always think about my portfolio as a whole. So I've got the Choose Your Adventure. I've got, you know, Magic Souls. I've got Urban Fantasy. I've got Um, this teddy bear fantasy I've got um, a space opera I've got um, another urban fantasy so so what what is the next story that I can tell that will fit within the existing portfolio that I have so that I can keep readers that they'll be intrigued on the next thing that I write so I think about my my body of work as a whole and I just think about the direction and and the vision that I want to have you know five ten years twenty years down the road when someone is looking for a Michael Aron story, right, I want it to be science fiction and fantasy, and I want them to have a consistent, consistent brand and consistent themes.
0: Now, if you're writing like a series per se, are, are you writing a few books in those series? Are you kind of jumping in between projects? How do you, how do you kind of work through that?
1: I do one series at a time. I um, I try not to to split my focus so I hyper focus on one series for example I actually today as we're recording this I just wrapped up the ninth and final book in my space opera series Galaxy Mavericks um, and I stuck through it I didn't didn't write any other things in the middle I mean I started with book one and now here I am on book nine and once I can close the lid on that I think it's better for the readers um, I think readers have a lot of readers have been burned myself included by those authors that maybe write one book or two books and then the series just is left hanging i think it's important to have something for the readers to be able to consume altogether if they want
0: george rr R. martin we're looking at you um, yeah exactly george rr R. <laughs> when the, the the show you know outpaces the series name names. yeah you've named names uh but everybody knows that um yeah, it, it it's it's interesting because it's, it's it's always hard because you're you forget, I mean as writers we always forget there is a writer on the other side of the book and, and and sometimes, you know, I always wonder guys like, you know, Lee Child who writes, you know, Jack Reacher, I mean he's written like 20 of those things and you know, and someone asks him are you ever going to write anything else? He's like, "Well, they pay me a lot of money to do it, so no." Um but, but you know, others, you know, b- big name authors write all over the place, but you know, you just wonder, you know, do you get bored? Do you get stuck? I, I wrote like four, four or five in a series, and then it was kind of like you know I'm just I'm getting kind of bored, <laughs> and I need I yeah. need I need to, to kind of shake it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm the kind that uh, I do get bored very quickly. That's why I write my series very quickly, and I write them. I launch the books almost around the same time. So with my Galaxy Maverick series, I pretty much launched all those books within the span of two to three months. Mm-hmm. I, I held on to all the novels until they were all done. And so that way, I can just throw them on the market. If it does well, awesome, cool, I'm happy. If it doesn't, I'm already in the land of the next book. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to think about that too much.
0: Now, how long for that series? Like the one with the nine nine books? How how long are those books each?
1: Those books were fairly short. They were between thirty and forty five thousand words. Okay. Um, that's just it, the length that they ended up being. I would have liked for them to be a little longer, but, you know, as we both know, the story kind of tells itself. Mm-hmm. Nothing worse than padding a novel. Um, you know, readers will see through that pretty quickly.
0: Sure. Now, are they, you know, satisfying stories in the sense of, that's not a slam. I just mean, are they cliffhangers at the end? Or are they just contained stories? I mean, if someone's to pick it up, do they need to go one, two, three through nine, or how does that work?
1: yeah they, they need to go one through you know the one through the end they're they're sequential and I wouldn't say the end on cliffhangers mm-hmm. the way the, the premise of the story is that it, it's a story of its' galaxy Mavericks and it's a story of uh, six ordinary people from different walks of life who have to come together to to save the galaxy and instead of going the military sci-fi route i've got um, a Coast Guard Reserve, or not Coast Guard Reserve, but a Galactic Guard. It's kind of like the Coast Guard in space. He's a reservist, um, and he becomes a reluctant hero. And then I've got a interplanetary real estate agent. <laughs> then I've got a interplanetary garbage man. So they're they're very humble walks of life, and um, an extraordinary event pulls them together. And so the first seven six seven books is the story of each of them individually it's their backstory but there's lots of conflict and then the last two books is them coming together to to
0: fight the big bads that's great that's great so let's um we we've had this debate many times in person and 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 I just actually read a, I don't know if you read Chuck Wendig at all but um, he's written some Star Wars books and some other things but um, he wrote a blog post today and he was just talking about writing and he said you know there's there's so much talk about you know marketing and the business side and all that but he his advice was you know the, the best marketing is just write the next thing you know, yeah. just, just keep writing the next thing. And, and I've, I've heard people push back against that and say, well, yeah, that's fine, but you still need to market and that this and that. Um, what's kind of your perspective? I mean, it sounds like your, your philosophy is, well, I'm going to write nine books and put them all out, you know, um, very close together and then move on to the next thing. Um, what's been, what have you kind of been learning as far as uh, marketing and, you know, getting your work out there um, on this writing journey?
1: Yeah, there's a couple things I want to say about that. The first thing is that I do believe that writing the next book is helpful. I don't think it should be the end-all be-all. I do think that you want to buy ads, you want to do whatever it is that you can do to bring readers into your gravitational field. I just do think that you have to to weigh the cost-benefit analysis because I think the issue that people run into is they spend all their time editing. Um, I know authors who, not editing, but marketing. I know authors who maybe they just don't want to write a book and so they spend six months and all they do is throw money at Facebook ads, you know, or throw money at different ads. And, you know, to me, I think you've got to keep momentum going. You're either gaining momentum or you're losing momentum. Right. And so for me, I think you've got to find that happy medium for me. I've just found that sometimes in looking at sales numbers and looking at the marketing, sometimes just knowing myself, I can get a little too emotionally wrapped up in that. So the way to protect myself from that is to continue writing books. Um, there are some people that they can, they can handle it. But for me, I try to not pay too much attention to my sales numbers, just understanding that whatever it is that I am going to write, I'm going to go to market with my best best footfall with good covers and good editing and you know the, the target audience full, clearly defined and that sort of thing. But the second thing I want to say to that is that's part of a bigger argument, I think, of should you write to market versus should you not? Right, because that's another issue I think in a debate that just keeps rearing in its ugly head. <laughs> um, to me, I, I struggle with that a little bit because for me, like I said, I, I'm not doing this. I mean, I am doing it for the money, but I'm not. It's it's not to the point where I'm I'm worrying about where my next meal is coming from, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, I feel that I can be fairly safe in in taking risks and. I'm doing other things, but for other authors, that may not necessarily be the case. And so I think it's okay to write to market if that's what you enjoy. I think that if you have a crazy personality like me and you like to write a lot of different things, yeah, maybe maybe it'll take you longer. But when you get there at the end of your career, it'll be a lot better. So. I don't know. I that that also seems to be the argument that pops up along with well, should you write the next book or should you not? Right. <laughs> so, just had to make a comment on that.
0: No, and I think you know we're not going to answer that tonight. And and, no, and no, a lot of know. lot lot wiser people have have spoken to this issue. And but you know, I, I I've interviewed a lot of people, talked with a lot of people, and it, it it seems. I mean, there there can be kind of a an extreme. I mean, I I, I talked to a guy that was pretty honest. That I mean, he, he was talking about how he, you know put like $60,000 into marketing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he's only got, you know, nine books or six books or something. Um, and he's, he's gotten a lot of that money back. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, that's like, that's absurd. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that, for, it's
1: hard to wrap my head around. Yeah. That. Like um, for
0: most people, that's just crazy.
1: It, it's crazy. You know if it works, awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, it's like, it's like a money machine, if it works, just keep putting, keep putting money into it. But <laughs> right. you know, I I worry about some authors hearing that and then thinking, Oh, I'm just gonna go and spend the money and then (laughs) you know, next thing you know your credit cards are all maxed out. Sure, sure. I think you just have to you have to treat it like a business, right? You have to make sound business decisions and if that's the right decision for you and your career, go for it. But if not, just think about writing that next book, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and I hear you saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I do hear you saying, in some ways, that you're you're really thinking about long term career. I mean, you're thinking long term, mini books over a long period of time, not just quick wins, you know, a couple, you know, big hits kind of thing. Um,
1: yeah, but, but not the way I approach it is when I'm in the ground, am I going to be proud of what I've accomplished? Uh-huh. Right? Um, yeah, I, I I tend to take the long term view on things just because. For me, like I said, I, I know why I'm doing this. I'm very at peace with what I'm writing and why I'm writing it. So I have to think long-term, right? Because if you, if you just write one book or if you just write 30 like me, I'm still not a full-time author, right? I mean, it's easy to fall into that trap and think, oh, I'm not good enough or uh, maybe I should write this. Maybe all these people that are writing to market are right and maybe I've been wrong my whole career. I mean, all those sorts of things always pop up into your head and you just have – the mark of a, a prolific and long-term author is one that can just ignore that stuff and just keep charging forward, just trusting in the vision that you have for your career, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. No, I think that's great. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, was talking to someone and, you know, they started writing romance because romance is the big deal and, you know, 40% of, you know readers read romance and but he was just saying how that's not what he wanted to do long term and it was really just about <laughs> making money and yeah uh, and that's a little bit what you were saying earlier it's writing to market it's it's you know write what you really want to write not just what's going to pay the bills and sometimes you gotta you have to do that but but you know he got to a point he just says you know i long term i just can't do this like i can't fool myself he really wanted to write different you know apocalyptic dystopian type stuff um Not just, you know, he's writing under all these pen names and, you know, and I hear that story a lot, especially in the indie community um, where it's like, hey, I have this series of books, but I'm also writing, you know, 30 romance novels a year just because it it pays the bills, you know.
1: And it's hard not to think about that when Mm. you look at Amazon and you hear all these wonderful success stories about all these people who are, you know, killing it. Right. But Mm. like I said, my my thing that I judge myself on is when I'm in the ground. Six feet under am I gonna be proud of what I've accomplished and is the legacy that I've left behind cohesive and is it going to be fun and exciting for the reader right and so breaking out you know writing romance under one name this under another name for me that's just not the vision I have for my readers
0: I like it I think it's great so let let's uh these, these are some questions that I've, I've been interested by just because i've I've got to interview so many people and and so many different backgrounds all over the world and it's just really really amazing just to hear people's stories but you know what what are some things that you're learning specifically um, around craft Um, i'm just going to go on the the actual writing craft not going to talk about business or marketing anything Mm -hmm. at this point but but just as you kind of reflect on you know the last you know six, five, six years, 30 books, you know, what is it when you go into another book? uh, What are some things that you're, you're kind of growing in, maybe things you need to grow in or things you're learning about your own style, your own, just the writing craft itself?
1: Well, it, it's funny. That's, that's a, it's, it's, we could probably talk all night about that, right? Um, I think when I wrote my first book, um, it was a good story. I think readers really resonated with it, but I wasn't aware of what I was doing. I was just telling a story, right? And now I'm much more aware of the mechanics of the stories that I'm telling. Um, I follow the writing into the dark method by mm-hmm. Dean Wesley Smith. I think everyone who listens to this podcast, King, as he was recently on the show, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, probably is, is familiar with that method. And um, that's a method I've been using for about the last 15 novels. And, um, I write everything in one draft. So for me, when I'm writing a, a novel, I, I try to understand, okay, is this dialogue going to work? Am I use, what technique should I use for this particular scene? Um, how can I show character depth without telling? Um, how can I make sure that the pacing of this particular scene matches the content? Um, I'm thinking about all that stuff in real time when I'm writing as opposed to when I was writing my very first novels. I wasn't thinking about it, and it's not that maybe I wasn't doing it. It's just that I wasn't aware of it, and so there were times when maybe the pacing didn't match or maybe I could have gone deeper into the character. So I, I like to think that I focus a lot more on the nuts and bolts of things now without getting too bogged down in the editing and that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, what I hear you saying too is – and this is a big you know, Dean Wesley Smith – mantra is that every time you write a book it's it's just practice it's it's another book to practice and i think for the prolific writer that that's the point it's we want to write a lot of books cuz we're also learning learning the craft by doing yeah. not just writing one book marketing it for 3 years and hopefully you know we're we're on to the next yeah. book we're on to the next story and, and so every book and story you come to you're saying Hey, here's a little thing I can try. Or hey, I I read a book and I really like the way he did this. And he just try this. And and you know, or, or maybe my my dialogue can be a little sharper, a little more realistic. Or maybe I could do more narrative. Maybe I can. You know, you're just always kind of practicing. And I, I love you know, you've said it too, and and Dina said it too. Is just how you know, it's like writing's the only thing in the world that you're not allowed to practice. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's true. It's every true. other, every other creative outlet <laughs> sport, you know, we can practice all we want, but when it comes to writing, it's like practice isn't allowed.
1: <laughs> no, it, it's, it's so true. And yeah, couldn't agree more
0: because, you know, when you think about your favorite authors and I think about my favorite authors, they have a lot of dud books. I mean, I mean, I mean, you talk to anybody, you know, let's say a Stephen King fan, he's got, I don't know, 70 books or something. There's a ton of books. People just like, ah, that wasn't that great you know it felt felt rushed or it had a weird ending or you know that's the the beauty of writing and you know, you, you talk to even the authors and even yourself. It's like we have these different seasons of life too, where maybe things were difficult in our lives, or you know, we almost died, for example, or you know, whatever it is. And and sometimes the books just don't maybe come out the way we want to. But but instead of obsessing over that book or that story, we just say, well, let's let's practice some more. Let's move on to the next one.
1: Yeah, you got to be resilient. You got to be hardy. You have to have a thick skin. You know, and that's another hidden benefit of writing across genre that I found is that. Every new world and every new genre that I come across, I pick up a new skill that I wouldn't have picked up if I had just stayed in urban fantasy. Um, You learn so much, and you can bring that to the next book that you write, and that's how you start to develop a a style, right? That's how you start to develop um, the thing that readers are attracted to. And so that's another benefit if people are on the fence about (laughs) genre hopping.
0: So when you – because you're a genre hopper and you, you write into the dark, you don't use much of an outline or anything, um, are you thinking about certain kinds of – you know I hate to use the word, but tropes when you're you know, writing in, in sci-fi or fantasy? Or is that just kind of irrelevant um, when you, when you kind of enter your next project?
1: Oh, the trope question. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this one was coming. So yes and no. I, I do think about the tropes. The thing about tropes is
0: oh, – let, let me say this. Reader expectation.
1: Reader expectations. I call them tropes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: there you go. (laughs) Let's call them what they are. Um, Yes, they they are are
1: reader expectations, but at the end of the day, they're tropes. Right, Um, right. To me, here's here's what I say to that. I I say yes and no. The reason I say yes and no is because yes, because of all the books that I've read, all the video games that I've played, all the movies that I've watched, there's no trope that my, my brain hasn't seen, right? And so when I am writing something, I do think about all the different things that I've absorbed over my whole lifetime and I think about clichés. <laughs> I think about all that fun stuff that uh, you want to avoid. But at the same time, I try not to pay too much attention to it because that's the number one way you can get paralyzed. Um quick test, if you want to paralyze yourself, you're in the middle of your novel, go to org. start clicking around on all the different tropes there and your heart will sink because you'll re- start to think, "Oh crap, somebody's already done this." But that's the beauty of tropes is that ev- it's been done before. That is what readers expect in one way, right? They, they expect it. And it's not the end of the world. If you write something that is familiar. Mm-hmm. So I have to apologize. My two year old is no, wandering okay.
0: nope. so it's real life.
1: wandering around my office. So, but yes, I, 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 I don't get too caught up in the tropes. Um, I think it's, imp- it's important to be cognizant of them mm-hmm. and understand what they are and, and maybe how you can go wrong. Um, but 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 by no means don't don't base your writing career on tropes because you'll just be very unhappy.
0: Yeah, I think that it's very interesting because it's there's a you know like a romance writer reader. I don't read or write romance, but you know at the end the couple has to come get together. I mean that's just I guess you get crucified if that doesn't. But but that's different. I mean because I think every story you know every story is pretty much the same. Except it's just a different setting. It's a different character. It's a different, you know. And that doesn't matter what genre you're in. I mean, there there's certain you know the hero's journey. There's certain ancient myths that that always follow the same pattern. It's just you're all you're doing is just changing. You're, you're putting your own voice into it. You're putting your yeah. own spin on it. I mean, there's not really nothing new under the sun. I think that's what what I hear you saying too is what paralyzes as readers or writers. Excuse me, is. Yeah, you know, I got to think of something that's just no one's ever done before, no one's ever thought of, and then you realize, oh, that's been been done before. <laughs> yeah, um, and
1: it's funny. Yeah, it's funny too because in my last series, um, I just just to try to tackle this head on and just try to wrestle with it so that I could get myself at peace with how I felt about them. I took my series and I I went on TVTropes.org and anything that looked like a trope, I mapped out every single trope in the this, this series that I wrote, in my the last Dragon Lord series. And there were probably two, three hundred. And the funny thing was, I didn't think about them as I was writing the this, this series, but when I look back and analyze the different tropes, you because know, they're all classified and categorized in a really neat way on TVTropes.org, I found that I was within the tropes probably nine out of ten times, without even thinking about it. Sure. Right? And it was the, the, the one out of ten times that I thought were probably the most delightful, because they subverted the tropes. But if you go into it thinking, okay, I'm going to subvert every single trope there is, you're going to have a hard time. I think having readers identify with it, but on the, on the flip side of that, if you go into it thinking, okay, I'm going to follow every single trope there is, then readers are probably going to get bored. It's the, it's those subtle ones that maybe they don't expect. That's, that's where the, the the magic happens.
0: Yeah. I, I find it really fascinating because I I was listening to a, um, a podcast and this was a New York Times bestseller and author who writes kind of like spy thrillers and he, he was talking about how his first book was a big success. He's written like eight books since then. He, he's like, I, I, I write full time. I do okay. But he says, because of the way I write my spy thrillers, he says, I don't get as many readers as I could um, because there's these certain expectations. It's, it's not quite Tom Clancy and you know the 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 way my main character is it's just there's certain expectations but he says i just don't want to write that i i just want to write what i want to write <laughs> and, yeah. and i i just found that really great and actually really um refreshing because he, he was just saying i'm not you know i'm not trying to be lee child i'm not trying to be any kind of author i'm just trying to be the do, write the stories i want to write and he's like i'm probably missing out on a lot of money but i'm more happy with what <laughs> with the end characters are and what the end product is yeah,
1: I mean, you, you, at the end of the day, you have to you have to live with yourself, right? And if you can't look at yourself in the mirror and be happy and proud about what you've accomplished, you, know, you still have to be a business person. You still have to understand craft. You still have to go to the marketplace with the same savvy that everyone else is, is right? I'm not saying that that's something you should step away from, but be proud about what you've done. You've, you're a writer. You, you've accomplished what many people all over the world dream of doing, and so be proud of that.
0: So we, you talked a little bit about what you're learning kind of craft-wise. talked some of the, your processes and things. Um, give us a little, just a little little brief, you know, bullet point. What is, what is kind of your, your daily practice or your daily habit look like as far as writing, getting the words actually on the page? Um, I actually know the answer because you've told me offline, but, but for, <laughs> for our listeners, um, talk to us about just kind of your, your practice of, you know, writing so many books and getting so many stories out there.
1: You bet. Well, for me, I am a part-time author, so I have a full-time job in the insurance industry that is um, very fulfilling and very demanding, but I have to write in the cracks of life, as you often say, right? And so I wake up between 4.30 and 5 every morning and uh, take a shower, get ready, make my morning beverage, and I write. I usually meditate for about five minutes just to clear my mind and think about what's coming up next, and then I sit down and I write on my computer, and I write for maybe an hour and a half, and I maybe get a 1,000, maybe 2,000 words. If I'm really hot, I might get three, and then I go to work, and in those cracks of life, I have the Scrivener app on my phone, and so I use that app to basically sync my projects so when i'm on the go i can pick up where i left off in the mornings so on my lunch breaks i'll thumb 500 to 700 words into my phone and then when i get home that's when i have family time i you know put my daughter to bed all those sorts of things and then before it's time for bed for about another 45 minutes to hour and a half i write more and so I just write every chance I get. On the weekends, if my wife wants to go to a department store and I don't want to shop, I just sit on the couch and I pull up my phone and I write. And those 200 words here, 400 words there, they add up if you just keep at it. And that's how I've been able to write 30 books with a full-time job.
0: No, that's great. I I, I knew what you were going to say, but I, I, just, I wanted people <laughs> to hear it because – It just shows again that, that, you know, you don't have to be a full time writer to write 30 books. You don't have to, you know, write 10 hours a day. It's, it really is in the cracks of your life. And it, and it, uh, the words add up. And before, before long, you're looking at a a manuscript that's ready, you know, to get edited and shared with the world. And I I think that's, that's really refreshing. And and I think today with all the technology and all the software, I mean, there's really no excuse for us. Um, and, and I would add just because I think you're, because of your philosophy as far as a one draft writer and, and, um, not obsessing over the perfection is that I think that's the other thing that hangs people up. It's, it's, mm-hmm. they're spending so much time on, you know, the ninth re- rewrite, the 13th rewrite, the 20th polish. And, you know, they're still yeah. sitting on this book for years and years. Um, and yet you've said, "Nope, that's not how I'm gonna do this, and we're gonna yeah. continue to you know and again, it's not like you're writing junk it's 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 just learning how to as Dean Wesley Smith would say, learning how to write clean you know first drafts so you don't have, exactly. to, have to do as much cleanup at the end."
1: And that should be – I shouldn't say should because everybody has a different path, right? But for those who are on the same track that you and I are on, right, Ryan, um, those mm-hmm. who want to be prolific, that should be one of the main priorities. If if I'm an author and you're listening to this and you've, you're that author that wrote a novel in nine drafts, how can you write that next novel in six drafts? Mm-hmm. When you've done that, how can you write that next novel in four drafts? And if you keep doing that, and if you chip at it, you'll start to find that you write your stuff faster. I, I didn't want to look at my Wikipedia page, and I don't have a Wikipedia page. But I, if I ever had one, I didn't want to be one of those authors that only wrote two or three books. And so, for me, if I was writing a novel every two years, I, this just wasn't going to work for me. So, if this is the path for you, if you want to be truly prolific, think about it. You know, it, it's easier to accomplish than you think. It, it, it will create some productive discomfort in your workflow and you will have to learn how to do things all over again. Um, but it's worth it.
0: That's great. That's great. So if you were to find yourself on a podcast such as this one, and you had a listening ear for the entire world, um, and you are going to be dead soon, that pesky food poisoning actually took you out this time what would be the advice, the sage truths, wisdom that you'd want to share with the aspiring prolific writer or the veteran prolific writer, anything related to to writing, the craft, the business? What, what would you want to say that, that others need to hear?
1: Set boundaries for yourself. Understand in the very beginning why you're doing it and never stray from those boundaries. So when I say that, I mean – I don't mean just pick one genre and write it for the rest of your life. I don't mean um, never do this or never do that. I just mean know what your line in the sand is, right? So for me, I'm probably not going to be a romance writer. I like romance. It's probably not something I'm going to do. But I also know that at the end of the day, I want to write what fulfills me. And some people have different codes, but make that decision early on and let that guide you throughout your entire career and and get at peace with why you're doing this. There are so many authors that just jump into it and when they write a book and it doesn't sell, they disimplode, right? And you have to be at peace with why you're doing this and that's not something that comes overnight. That's something that I've wrestled with for many years and still wrestle with Um, but fundamentally at at my core, I'm I'm happy with what I'm doing Um, and I, I don't know that everyone would be able to say that. So, understand early on what it is that drives you. And if you don't know what that is, exhaust all your energy and resources into finding that out because God, it, it'll make your life so much happier when you, when you do that. Yeah. That's, Cause this is tough life. It's tough. It's tough choice, you know, yeah, especially yeah. writers are sensitive creatures. And when you put stuff out there that doesn't sell or doesn't sell to your expectations, it's uh, it's not always easy.
0: No, that's great. That's great. I think th- that's what I hope um, that, is communicated through the show is, is why I started it. As much as I care about people's process and craft and, you know, how they write so many books, I think that's great. But I'm always trying to get underneath, you know, why do you write? What's your motivation? Um, figuring that out. Because I think people are so hung up on the, the tactical side, the practical side, the marketing side, the how do I – do amazon ads how to do a facebook ads i mean those are important but but they're not ultimate and if you want to think long term i think your advice is just spot on i mean it's it's you got to know why you do this you know what's going to get you up at four thirty? you know while your kids are sleeping yeah. what's gonna you know you're gonna i don't know how you thumb on your scrivener app without making tons of errors but what's gonna make you do that during your lunch hour you know what's gonna keep you going like you said when things aren't selling and and you have to know what that is um because, you know, it's it's a hard hard road, but but it's a fun road. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. It's um, the most
1: gratifying choice you'll ever make in your life. If this is for you, um, that certainly has been the case for me. <laughs> I there's just nothing else I'd rather be doing, you know, and um, that's why for me I I don't think you can become a prolific author until you get to that point, right, where you're able to. Be comfortable with writing across multiple genres or if you're going to write a single genre and stick at it and, and write 50 novels in that genre that's totally cool too right
0: so what are you wor- currently working on what can you pimp out into the world where can people find you
1: Yes, well, if you are a science fiction fan, I recommend you pick up my Galaxy Maverick Space Opera series. That's available um, currently on Amazon and soon um, all the retailers out there. <laughs> so that's a sci-fi space opera series for the sci-fi fans out there. If you're a fantasy fan, check out my Last Dragon Lord series. Um, Lots of Dragons and Drama and Politics, that's a great uh, series for my fantasy readers. And if you are a writer listening to this, which I imagine many of you are, and if you're just starting out on your journey, check out my podcast with the Alliance of Independent Authors. That is with J.R. Tolly, and we do the beginner self-publishing salon where we talk about tips and tricks um, on how to be a successful author. And you can find everything you want to know about me at my website, www.michaelaround.com.
0: Great, Michael. That's awesome. Yeah, I've listened to your podcast a couple of shows, and it's great. So go check that out. Go buy his books. Check out his website. Um, he's an all-star. He's a prolific writer. And, uh, hey, Michael, it's such a pleasure to have you on. And so thankful to finally meet you face-to-face. And uh, you're going to help a lot of people. So thanks for coming on.
1: And likewise, and it's been my pleasure.
0: All right. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Well, there you have it, Prolific Writer Nation. Michael LaRon, Delivering the Goods. I, I was just blown away. Just listening to that interview again, it's just amazing. Uh, Near-death experience, catapulting his career, 30 books and still going, full-time job kids, all kinds of stuff, podcaster, entrepreneur, you name it, he's, he's doing it. And what an inspiration to the prolific writer community. So, so check out his stuff, michaellaurent.com all his books, all his goodness. He's a, he's a wonderful guy and go check out, follow him. He's going to, going to be, be something special coming down, down the pike here. I, I can guarantee you. So, so thank uh, Michael Laurent for coming on the show. And Hey, um, as I mentioned, two things, the prolific slash free, go pick up that mini email course, writing hacks course, get unstuck right to your inbox. Hopefully you find it a lot of value there and it helps you get that book done and then secondly if you'd be so kind to leave a review for the show so appreciative of all the reviews i know it takes some work but wherever you listen to this if it's itunes stitcher on your whatever mobile device soundcloud just leave a review it helps us get more uh i would say eyeballs not eyeballs but ears on the show especially itunes if you do listen through itunes Um, they're, they, they love the reviews. So, so get the reviews. I want to get the show out to many people and help as many people as we can in their, their writing adventure. So, so thanks for listening in and I will talk to you all real, real soon.